Isn't this just the best way to describe the Seattle Seahawks right now? The defense is Rings of Power. The offense is House of the Dragon. There is a tempest in May! And it's mainly because Geno Smith is actually good. Regulars to the channel will know that I was very much a Geno skeptic, and before the season, I didn't think that was an unfair position to take. Smith's career has been, to date, fundamentally pretty rubbish. There were no signs of encouragement during his previous years in Seattle when he played in preseason games. There was not much to get excited about in preseason this year. And the games that he played last season weren't as impressive as some were desperate to make out. I thought he would struggle to move the ball against good opponents or score points regularly and would simply function against weaker teams and would likely be replaced by Drew Locke or somebody else at some point during the season. And I was completely wrong. I've been waiting until after the New Orleans game to do this video because I watched the Saints come to London destroy Minnesota's offensive line, make life very, very difficult for Kirk Cousins, and he turned into a check-down machine as a consequence. This was going to be a real test for Geno Smith and the offense to see if they could continue to put up lots of points and be a really productive unit. It was not going to be the cakewalk that they saw in Detroit or against the Falcons in Seattle, and Geno Smith passed the test with flying colors. He is currently PFF's highest-graded quarterback, with an outstanding 90.2 grade. He's in the top five for every quarterback-centric metric you can find on the internet, and he's been a revelation. It's fair to call him that right now. And yes, there have been some slow moments as well. The first three games saw the offense stall after halftime. They scored three points after halftime in all three of those games. They failed to score a point against the excellent San Francisco defense in week two. Yet the performance in New Orleans against a really solid opponent once again showed off what Geno Smith has been able to do so well at the start of 2022. A lot of people are praising his ability to execute the offense, which he is doing very, very well. But I think he's gone beyond that. I don't think he's just functioned his way to a 90.2 grade. He is in attack mode. Functioning and running the offense is just a nice way of saying that he's a solid game manager. Ooh, a lovely slant. What a nice screen pass. But he's more like, have some of this right down the middle over two defenders to tie the locket for six. He's throwing with confidence. He's throwing with poise, more than a hint of aggression. However, the accuracy and the timing is also really good. It's been so impressive to see him throw to all levels of the field. And again, those two touchdowns to Lockett on Sunday in New Orleans were just top-notch. The kind of throws that we'd all be talking about so much if it was Justin Herbert who was throwing those passes. He's taking the challenge to defenders 1v1. He is throwing over the middle into dangerous areas, but he's fitting it into tight windows. He understands when he's got to check down. He's being creative with his legs, either to scramble away from pressure, and yet he's taken a couple of sacks as well, but he's done a decent job on the move, and he's also made some gains with his legs. Geno Smith is playing like a bamf, and he's making the most of his two key receiving weapons. The tight ends are a dynamic factor in Seattle for the first time ever in the Pete Carroll era. And the Seahawks have the number one offense per DVOA. And it's not some illusion or a red herring. It feels legit, just like it feels legit that they have the 31st ranked defense. It's simply that Geno Smith is playing that well. And I wanted to say that in a video. And I'm happy to admit that my concerns so far have been proven completely wrong. In fairness, I don't think anybody expected this. Even his biggest supporter, probably Gino Smith's dad, didn't expect this. But I was especially critical 
and he's going way beyond what I thought would happen with his performance. He deserves tremendous praise, and I want to give him some of that. He's getting praise as well from fans, from the media, and he's developing into something of a cult hero. He is becoming a phenomena. Forget MVP, he is Seattle's MVG. If it continues, the Seahawks should start talking him up as a comeback player of the year. During their press conferences, teammates should be dropping him in there. Pete Carroll should be talking about it as well. Just get a little momentum behind the campaign because he is a legitimate contender for that. And it's actually a shame the defense is so crap that he isn't getting the support his play deserves because even if the unit was middling or average, they'd have a chance to win any game with the offensive output that they're currently producing. And it's not only Smith who deserves credit. The receivers and tight ends deserve a lot of credit too for the way they're performing. The two rookie offensive tackles are providing great value and confidence for the future, the way that they're starting their careers. Shane Waldron is creating the kind of offense and the kind of production we all hope that a Sean McVay protege would provide. And Pete Carroll deserves credit. He had a lot of faith in Smith. He picked him. He rolled with him when many people were saying, go and get Baker Mayfield, go and get Matt Ryan, go and get Jimmy Garoppolo. He stuck by Smith and his unwavering support is being repaid. This season is about finding green shoots for the future, and let's be honest, the offense is certainly delivering that. This is good news for the Seattle Seahawks. Admittedly, there are still 12 regular season games remaining, and things can change very quickly. If this continues, though, wow, it is a big, big positive for the Seahawks moving forward. So what does it actually mean for the future? A lot of people are already saying, get a contract extension going, get talks going with Geno Smith about retaining him for at least next season. And on his current trajectory, that would appear to be a no-brainer. There are some things, though, that people have got to remember. Firstly, he will be a man in demand if he keeps this up. If Kirk Cousins can set records for guaranteed money as a free agent, don't put it past someone making a humongous offer for Smith if he continues his fine play. The Seahawks don't have as much cap space to play with in 2023 as the media are telling you. They keep saying that they've got loads of spending power just because Russell Wilson's contract and the dead money comes off the books after this year. But this is what you need to know. Most of that money has been spent already. Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, for example, will have a combined cap hit of $36 million next year. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett will cost you $31 million. Yuchenna and Wosu and Shelby Harris account for nearly $26 million currently. And they ain't going to cut and Chenu and Wosu. And Shelby Harris, they've pushed some of his salary this year into next year. So it would make no sense to cut him either. Will Disley and Noah Fant are going to cost $17 million between them. So as of today, Seattle is only projected to have a pretty measly $32 million in effective cap space for 2023. In comparison, the Bears have got $100 million. Seattle can create more, but not much more. And that will just create holes that need filling on the roster if they start cluttering veteran starters. And they're going to have to find a way to retain or replace certain players like Puna Ford. Making the situation worse is the fact that they only have 33 players contracted for next year. That's the third fewest in the league. So that $32 million in effective cap space is going to evaporate quickly as they fill out their roster. And it is $32 million. Go and check out overthecap.com. You know, they've got 32 million, I think it's 31.8 million or something like that in effective cap space right now for 2023. They simply don't have a lot to play with unless they want to extend Smith on a huge long-term contract and produce a smaller cap hit for next year. But that would be a risk given he turned 32 on Monday and he might not benefit from the surprise nature of his 2022 re-emergence in future seasons when teams have got a lot of tape on him or even later this season, because it, there is a distinct possibility that teams will work him out or find sort of little tendencies that he has, 
And at the moment, he may be benefiting from veteran experience and the ability to execute an offense that he knows. And then when people find out that he does certain things that they can exploit, it may sort of lead to a shift in his, in his form and what happens there. So we have to wait and see on that. If he continues to play this way, though, he could start asking for major money. The top quarterbacks are getting 50 million a year, as we're well aware of. Uh, he wouldn't get near that. But Jimmy Garoppolo's last contract paid him nearly $28 million a year. That's not unreasonable for a player performing like Geno Smith is at the moment. And the Seahawks simply couldn't afford that kind of contract unless, like Garoppolo, it was a five-year agreement. I think the Seahawks fully intended to have a rookie quarterback in 2023 and on a rookie contract, which is especially cheap. And I think they spent their money accordingly this year because they anticipated not spending very much at quarterback. I think that was their plan, not to give somebody like Geno Smith between 20 and $30 million for next season. Smith's form has probably surprised them as much as it has all of us, regardless of what Carol might say about believing in Geno. And if they truly believed, he wouldn't be on a proportionally tiny one-year contract right now, which looks great value for this year, but is going to be a problem when the season ends and he's going to expect much bigger commitment. He's not going to be signing for this kind of contract. And people are saying he's going to sign for 12 to $18 million. If he continues playing like this, there's no chance he's going to settle for that. It might force the Seahawks to run the risk of losing Smith if another team bites and offers him a huge contract. Ideally, they keep Smith and draft a quarterback and have the best of both worlds. But they could end up having to go the rookie route anyway if he becomes too expensive. And it's going to be fascinating to see what his market ends up being. I also hope the Seahawks show some restraint and more or less stick to their plan because Smith is into his 30s now. He's not a long-term solution, even if he does a good job for the next sort of two or three years. It'd be great if he could be Seattle's answer to Alex Smith in Kansas City. Remember the Chiefs traded for Smith uh, from San Francisco. He was there for a few years. It enabled them to be very aggressive to get Patrick Mahomes and then they passed the baton on. So the Seahawks could do the same thing. They could be very aggressive to find a long-term successor, redshirt them like the Chiefs did with Mahomes, and then possibly get a handsome trade return for Smith. And I'm not talking about first-round picks, but if he continues to play well and they want to move on and go to the rookie, then a third-round pick or something like that, if he's on a contract that will, will give him another couple of years of control, a, a, a buying team, that is, then maybe that is something that could happen down the line. So while the top priority right now, because as we mentioned, the defense is a horror show, uh, that might seem like the top priority, fixing the defense. The answers are unlikely to come in the first round of the 2023 draft. As we've been going on about for a while now, this is a class with a collection of four highly talented but very different quarterbacks. And then you've got Will Anderson, the pass rusher at Alabama. You've got Bijan Robinson, the running back at Texas, who deserve highish first round placings. And after that, it's extremely hard to identify top 15 players especially game wreckers and, and playmakers on defense. Getting a young quarterback in a good year for the position at the top of round one does remain a very enticing proposition and probably the best use of your resources unless you are going to go and get someone like Will Anderson. Negotiating with Geno Smith now would be a bit of a gamble because you're hoping that he's going to continue his great form while also getting a bit of a discount maybe because you are committing to him now rather than the end of the season. You're securing his future today and you're placing a bet on his continued success. He might appreciate that. The Seahawks might appreciate that and it might just sort of eliminate that as a concern and you can plan accordingly when you get into the off-season about who you're going to sign, what you're going to do in the draft. It gives you complete flexibility. Geno Smith might wish to bet on himself though with the way that he's playing and he also might think I'm just going to wait this out and see what, the, what I can get on the open market. He also might appreciate a show of faith and some long-term security that probably felt a million miles away just a few months ago when he was simply fighting to win a starting job. But his future in Seattle is a complex situation. It is somewhat connected to the cap 
and the draft. It's not an, I, I wouldn't assume that he's going to be back next year because his price is going to go up and up and up if he continues playing this way. But the bottom line is, he has been fantastic. He has proven a lot of people wrong, including me. And I hope that it continues for the rest of the 2022 season.